All right, Little Rock, grab your coffee, get jacked up. It's time for another episode of The Block Talk, and I am so excited. I'm fangirl style. I'm just pumped to have Mr. Jimmy Moses on the show today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jamie. Glad to be here. Well, I'm really excited because, and of course, how we met officially was me chasing you down the stairway at the Historical District Commission. Yeah, that's right. Um, I was in admiration and still am about the development that you have done in our city. Um, I love Little Rock. I'm not a native, but I have come to call it my home. It's my adopted home. And you have started, I mean, way back in the day, not that you're not, we're not that far apart in age, but (laughs) (laughs) you you started a long time ago, putting your footprint and your handprint and your family's continued to carry that tradition through the years. So tell me a little bit about growing up here and uh, what led you in the beginning to do development and real estate. Yeah. Well, uh, I, was born here and uh, as I like to say I'm the son of a Jewish merchant and uh, my dad had a store on Main Street uh, called Moses Melody Shop and people that are closer to my age than you are uh, remember it because it was basically the only place in town to buy music particularly records in in that era in the 50s and 60s and uh, being on Main Street uh, was really great because uh, he worked six, seven days a week, and uh, my time and, and experience with him was often in the store. So I would come downtown, and uh, even as a little kid, I liked the store and I liked the business. And so I remember our city and our core and our main street as the very dynamic, vibrant place that it was as I grew up. And uh, I think that uh, literally entered my DNA at a a very young age. My grandfathers both grew up here. One was a banker, the other one started the music company. And uh, I had a special affinity for uh, the city and uh, I think more importantly for what the city was like as it related to retail and the energy and vibrance of the downtown area. So when you grew up down here, Mm -hmm. I'm sure it looked far different than it does today. The landscape has certainly changed over the years. Was Main Street back then the place, or was this street here, now that Presidential Clinton Avenue, was this where people came to to do all of their business and eat and and play? Yeah, Main Street was it. Uh, The core of downtown Little Rock was Main Street from Markham to, oh, 10th, 11th, 12th Street, where the... uh, I-630 goes through today. And then Capitol Avenue was a vibrant street, but retailing was concentrated on Main Street. And uh, there were four or five local department stores, an array of uh, jewelry and and every type of shopping. Uh, Many of the movie theaters and restaurants were were on the street. Uh, It was just a really exciting, vibrant place, much like if you were on Michigan Avenue in Chicago today on a mini scale, that's what downtown Little Rock was like in Main Street in the 50s and mid, up through the mid 60s. Well, the story that captured my heart when we were here at UA Little Rock downtown, um, when you were presenting about some development opportunities, we talked or we heard you talk about, you know, being in that crowd at mm-hmm. Christmas time during shopping. Oh. And it, for me, my mind immediately flashed to the, the scenes of like New York and these movies where the kids go in the big toy store and you just see nothing but department stores around yeah. them. Can you tell me a little bit about what that experience was like on Main yeah, Street as a kid? It, it was very much that way. Uh, as I say, the, uh, the, the sidewalks when uh, you got to Christmas time on Main Street were literally packed. And 
uh, walking as a small kid, you know, five, six, seven years old with your mom, the trick was to hang on to your mom so you didn't get lost in the crowd. So I remember that well. I remember uh, one of my favorite things was the window at 4th and Main, which was the old Blasses department store, had a large electric train that circulated <laughs> on that corner. And we would be, you know, pushing to get up close to be able to see the train and Santa Claus behind it. And uh, that's how I remember the city, if you will. That's how I remember Little Rock. And that's why I think I am still so committed to trying to bring the vigor and life and energy and excitement back to our downtown area. And it, it's really been a lifelong passion of mine that uh, fortunately it's a vocation and it's also my avocation. It's so always good when you mine. can make money at something that you love. Well, doing. yeah, occasionally yeah. we make money. At, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's kind of, so one of the reasons that I, we started this show, this is sort of my passion is trying to find the people within the city that, that have added value to the area and, and finding out from them what inspired them to do that. But then also how do we inspire the next Jimmy Moses, right? Because someone's going to have to take that torch and continue to move into development in a different way not so much okay i'm going to go in here and find out this is my cost these are my expenses this is my revenue but look at this area of the city i want to see life and entrepreneurial spirit and i want to have those things be developed here how did you when you first got into this i mean did you just go to college graduate decide okay i'm going to come back and get into development because it seems like you dreamed up a lot of these <laughs> projects when i was in the ninth grade at forest park junior high school uh, you were required to do it, what they call an occupational theme. So you had to pick something that you thought you might want to do professionally when you got out of <laughs> in the ninth grade. school in the ninth grade. Yeah, you couldn't get out of ninth grade without completing it. So uh, I didn't write about being a merchant or a retailer. Uh, I did write about what I was beginning to get quite interested in even then, which was city planning. And uh, so my paper was on being a urban planner or a city planner. And it was uh, motivated largely because there were three wonderful architects in Little Rock that I knew largely because my, they were family friends, my parents' friends, uh, Nolan Blass, Ed Cromwell, and Gordon Wittenberg. And they were the uh, CEOs of the three prominent architectural firms. They were wonderful men. They all cared deeply about our city, and I got to know each of them, and in particular, Nolan Blass was really my mentor. And he would take me around as a kid, and we would eat at a place called the Canton Tea Garden, better known as the Chinaman's, which was in the uh, 200 block of Maine, where the, currently there's a parking deck. And it was almost like you were going into Chinatown of a big city. It was sort of eerie, and, and they had these draperies that they pulled over the tables where you <laughs> sat and ate. But it was the spirit of the city that they were captivated by, and they would talk to me about architecture and building and, and some ideas about how to make a city really work. And all of that just took with me, and uh, 
I, I've been working on it ever since. So some, some of the bigger projects, and I had lunch with a friend of mutual friend of ours earlier that I was talking to, and he was saying something about how interesting it would be to hear the story behind this development, because a lot of times, like I was talking about, developers are looking for you know, money on the other side. They're not always looking for the betterment of a city. And when you combine an investment with a passion, typically not only does it work, or most of the time does it work, but you also result in changing the character of the city around you and allowing people to really enjoy and find passion in those things that you've created and so the capital commerce building comes to mind and that's one of you know kind of a catalyst for several other things that happened after from what i understand how did that project come together and what inspired it that's a great question uh we had been active since uh, the early 80s in downtown redevelopment Uh, the first firm that i was a partner in was called uh, allison moses red and it was an architecture firm and my two partners, John Allison and Rick Redden, were wonderful architects and friends. And I was the oddball. I was the real estate guy, the developer, if you will, uh, kind of mask as an urban planner. But, and we developed uh, a handful of interesting projects. Most of them were renovations uh, of older buildings and adaptive reuse of uh, places like the Heritage Center that um, still exist today and, and are still quite vibrant but we got over uh, in the late part of the 1990s when the river market was beginning to really get some legs we'd opened the uh, the market hall and uh, we had just finished com- uh, the work on the Tufnut Lofts building which was our first real housing uh, effort if you will we created 30 apartments in that building had no clue whether they'd work or not. This was a very derelict neighborhood, 3rd and River Market Avenue, uh, in 1999 when we started. We finished that building, uh, adaptive reuse. We put some shops on the ground floor, uh, some uh, space that we call live work because we didn't know if people would live there, but maybe they'd work there. <laughs> and within about six months, it worked really well, and we had the building full with the uh, the first real core urban dwellers. But I said to my partner at that point, you know, we're 50 years old, and if we just rehab small buildings the rest of our time, the impact we're gonna make down here is not quite gonna measure up to what I have in mind. Right. So we said, let's start on bigger buildings, and the way to do that is to build new. And so the Capital Commerce Center was our first effort. Uh, We were able to get the Uh, Warren Stevens to sell us that building and we built an office building but on the ground floor we like mixed use so we put a restaurant and a bank Arvest Bank and Vermilion uh, Water Grill and then we put two floors of condominiums the first condos uh, really in the core of downtown Little Rock that had been built and before we finished the building not only was the building leased up um, but all the condos were sold and so it was thrilling to see that, and that really kind of launched us into a whole different phase of development downtown. So did you just dream up, I mean, you were you like mixed use, right? But you'd never seen I anything did. like that downtown. No, and, it was unique. Right, so when you think about that, I mean, how do you put a project like that together? I mean, I know for me, I see big buildings all over town, and I think, ooh, wouldn't it be great to have co-working space, and you could put a yoga studio. I mean, great ideas are there, yeah. but what about getting the people the commitments, finding the way to put it on paper, pricing out the price per square foot. I mean, how does that all come together? Did you do that on your own? Did you build, you filled a team to help you come up with the concept? 
yeah, (laughs) it's the team for us. Uh, You know, I do things that make me excited. And as I said to you, I have this this thing in my brain about our city being great again. It was once great. It is not great today, but it has the bones to be great, I believe. So my vision of building is to put a group of people together, architects, good construction people. Uh, Our tenants are partners. They're never really tenants. And ideally, we have owners join us in every project because we always have just a small part of these projects. We like having a broad ownership group to buy into this. Uh, And then we vision something that we would like to see that perhaps works well in another city. And the cities that I'm particularly excited about are in the Pacific Northwest, primarily Portland and Seattle. I've always been uh, very interested in those cities, visited them a lot. I'm waiting for rooftop gardens. Yeah, well, (laughs) we have some. But we steal ideas. There's nothing really new. And then we try to adapt them. And that's the trick is adapting them to a market like Little Rock. So we go to bigger markets typically and sometimes smaller. Look at, at what works, what seems to appeal to me and us as a, as a developer. And then we try to bring them to our town and, and fit them in in an interesting way. Well, some of the development things that are interesting to me about downtown, just as we sit here, is that we're sitting in a corner building, which is a part of the University of Arkansas at Little Rock, across the street from the library, across from where the river market is, and there's a TV station, there's a coffee shop, there's, but there's the convention center. You're linked together by things that are related to culture and growth and things in a city that can't really go down in an economic downturn, which when you see things like 2008, 2009 happen, and of course, we both have real estate experience, so we know that those are bad words but but when you're talking about that time in a community I think what you guys have developed down here has sort of allowed us to be recession proof as a downtown area was that always part of the plan or did it happen naturally that's uh, very observant on your part and thank you for saying it it absolutely is what we had in mind and when you know the only thing I really got out of planning I think uh, quite honestly is to understand that density and diversity are, are core elements to making cities work. The other thing I got is most people won't walk more than about three or four blocks, particularly if the walk isn't quite interesting. And Walking past surface parking lots is not interesting, so that doesn't count. So when we started the planning effort for Clinton Avenue, which morphed into the River Market District, we said, what works? Well. It's not department stores, they were long gone. And you can't build around restaurants solely because they come and go. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what is the anchor that might hold things together through a recession? And we came up with, and, and really saw this in other cities, it's the institutions. So the museums like the uh, Discovery Museum mm-hmm. and the History Museum, HAM, Uh, the convention center itself being nearby. And then, of course, when the opportunity came up to fight for and ultimately win the battle to bring the Clinton Center not only to Little Rock but to be the east anchor of our River Market District, those were brilliant decisions that were community-made. There was a group of us that worked on that, but it took an immense amount of people to 
kind of come together and coalesce. This library, Bobby Roberts, is a great example. He brought the library into the river market as an anchor. And those have really held us together and served us well, and they always will. Yeah, it's hard to imagine. You know, people are always going to seek a college education. They're always yeah. going to have the ability to yeah. come in here and use this facility for what they're looking for. Same thing with we were on the library the other day, me and my mom and my son, and it was nice to be able to walk over and have lunch in the river market and right. then come back. Plus, the river market is really cool, whoever's idea that was. Yeah. You can have tacos and Chinese food on yes. the same day. Yeah, I'm glad you <laughs> like that. The, the river market itself, the market hall, is modeled after, believe it or not, the Pikes Place Market in Seattle, Seattle. which... My wife and I visited in 1980, and on the trip back, uh, I sketched on a napkin, literally, kind of my idea of doing something like that in downtown Little Rock, because we had a farmer's market. It was just on the back of trucks, uh, on the hot asphalt, and uh, we thought maybe we could take something like that and put it into a physical setting that's interesting. And it, too, could be a real anchor for a neighborhood, which is exactly what has happened with the market itself. Oh, yeah. And the farmer's market that takes place out there is huge. Yeah, with Arkansas having such a major foot in agriculture here, yeah, it makes absolute sense, right? Sense. And that's waiting right. for someone to take the waste from the farmer's market and build a kombucha bar, you know? Maybe, it, maybe it'll way. happen next year. Yeah, <laughs> next time. Year. So that makes me ask another question. While we've been sitting here today, I've been watching trolley cars come up and down or streetcars, yeah. however I'm supposed to term street that. Streetcars. Street yeah. But I went on a tour recently and it's kind of amazing that now they're free I yes. mean now you can ride it all day long and you right. can take tours around the city and find out things you would have never known about Little Rock yep. those tour guides are amazing they're great. Um, what were your thoughts on the streetcars and how do they help us today well I take no credit for the streetcars uh, that was really engineered by Judge Buddy Valines uh, 25 years ago and he was able to finesse and finagle enough money both federally and locally along with uh, the mayors at the time to, to get that streetcar system in place. Um, it has been criticized as much as it's been praised. In fact, right. probably more. I, uh, so that we all know, I'm, I sit on the, uh, uh, the Metro Transit Authority, Rock Region Metro, so I'm a fan of it and I believe in it. And our projects uh, are, by no mistake, adjacent to it. I believe someday We'll look back and we'll thank Judge for Lines for bringing the streetcar system into downtown. Most cities our size have nothing like this and would kill for it. And the fact that we've had really good leadership, uh, particularly uh, our latest uh, director, Charles Frazier, who's brought new ideas and energy. It was his idea to convert the streetcars from pay to, uh, to free, and our ridership has gone through the roof, literally. Why do that? You know, why say throw good money after bad? Well, it introduces the streetcars to a lot of people who might otherwise not use them. And eventually we're going to get the public transit as one of the cores to making a city great. And we've got a big head start on uh, most other cities our size. And I think you'll see in the next 10, 15, 20 years, this system expands significantly and uh, yeah, get we, a lot more ridership. We picked up a few riders when we were, so we stayed on the thing from start to finish. We yeah. wanted to hear every fact and we were so excited about it. And I was kind of ashamed that I've lived here all this time and I hadn't gone on the tour. So I was like, I'm That's not leaving okay. until I see everything. And you have now. Yeah, and yeah. as we were sitting on there taking this ride, we picked up some riders who needed to get to the library. Yes. And then they jumped off and some people that wanted to go down to the coffee shop. And it was just really nice to see that they didn't have to do it. They didn't have to walk. And if they had a limited or physical disability or they were pregnant, 
they didn't have to walk three or four blocks. They could just jump on the streetcar. So exactly. I'm really excited about that. And yeah, I think it needs to be, you know, ridden more by residents so they does. can see it. It, it was almost totally a tourist and visitor attraction, if you will, over the last 15 years. But in the last couple of years, people are beginning to understand that living here and being able to have that transit uh, to go particularly across the river and in and around the river market as it works is pretty nice way to travel and a lot easier than parking cars and or walking. So right. it is a, a real benefit to our city and at some point, it'll be much more appreciated, I think, than it is today. Well, they've got my vote. So Good. that kind of brings me to, you know, the development of the river market over the years has kind of changed. And I know you've had a lot to do with a lot of great projects down here. But as things start to change in, you know, basically across the nation from an economic standpoint, real estate development has been at an all-time high. When the economy is good, people spend money and they build new developments. Um, from a eagle eye view, you can kind of see major cities all over the United States doing large developments on a large scale, mm-hmm. where you see a lot of cranes hanging over some of those big capital cities. We lack that current crane hanging situation right. here in Little Rock. And I know that you know one person, one developer can't take they'll charge and do everything, right? And there can't be two or three. There has to be a group of people who have an interest in development who are ready to spend their dollars in our city. Do you think, and or is there an answer to solve that problem in Little Rock in the sense, why aren't people developing here? No. And how, how do we get them to develop here? Well, uh, I hope that we will see that in the not too distant future. Um, it's the one thing that, that takes me down a bit about our city right now. Uh, if my mother were here, she would say, now, don't go negative. Because uh, I have I have a love-hate relationship with Little Rock. I think you can tell about the love. We've been talking about it. Yeah. Uh, what bothers me about the city is our leadership. Um, and I hate to talk about it because uh, if I point to leadership, I start with myself. Um, we're all, if we choose to be, can provide leadership in certain ways and, and certain roles. So... I'm not immune from my own criticism. I I don't think I've done enough. I've been persuasive enough. I've invested enough to to fully change the city like I believe it should change. Um, Cities that are great typically have someone like me, quite honestly, who's in the real estate business, who grew up in the city, who's passionate, and and they build. That helps create a physical place, and that's important. What I missed out on is that we haven't filled the jobs and we haven't created the rationale to bring millennials not only back here, but back here to stay. Now, some do, but our lack of job development and growth uh, comes from 2008. When the recession hit, and, and we don't reflect on this very much, not only did we have a terrible time with that recession in this city, but we lost Altel and basically Axiom that same time. That was a devastating blow to lose those two companies. We lost their leadership. We lost their investment and their money and their philanthropy. And God forbid, we lost a lot of great, well-paying jobs. We haven't recovered. There is no replacement for those companies today. The other thing that we must work towards, besides bringing and growing, Uh, true uh, 21st century companies in this city. We have a med center that has to develop into a, at least a regional, if not national medical center. Right. 
We had a myeloma program here that was world class. We've lost it. It's, it's seen its better days. I hate to admit that, but it has. I serve on that board. The board's no longer. And then lastly, and if there was one thing I would want to say to you and to anybody that would listen to me is the biggest challenge we have in this city and the way that, that I think we can get great quickly is to take UA Little Rock and turn it into a great, great university. And it is far from a great university today. It has a raft of problems that have to be addressed. And uh, it starts with the attitude that high school students have about not wanting to go there. Right. So um, I wish we'd all stop doing what we're doing, get together and figure out what to do to make UA Little Rock something great. And I think part of that vision will include a campus in downtown Little Rock, which is almost hard to get your, your head around. And the leadership out there looks at me when I bring that up. And I can think of plenty of parking decks. Well, there are plenty <laughs> of places. We could maybe we could replace one yeah. of those. Yeah. But <laughs> getting UA Little Rock onto the right track, properly endowed and funded uh, with at least one or two great programs is absolutely critical. If we don't do that, I don't think Little Rock will ever reach its potential as a great city. Right. I'm glad that you brought that up because UA Little Rock has been something, you know, I've watched people graduate from Central High School. It's an incredible institution. And I was talking with someone earlier today about how sometimes the students who are some of the best coders in the nation, I mean, it's an incredible talent pool. They'll graduate and they'll move off to Atlanta or Austin and they'll say, well, I'm going to make $30,000 more there. But what they're not thinking of is they're also going to have $30,000 higher in living costs, which they don't have in their backyard. Yes. So there's got to be a way to recruit them to stay at UA Little Rock. And also, I mean, the Jack Stevens Center was a great addition. Going there to watch basketball games is really fun. And mm-hmm. it's a good time for your whole family. It's something that, how do we go out? And, and you said it though, how do we? How do we get all these people together? I mean, kind of sounds like maybe a big block party. <laughs> well, it may be. You know, I think um, sometimes uh, when you are struggling the most in life, it's at that point, your low point, that uh, an epiphany occurs. I think maybe, and I'm not suggesting that Little Rock is desperate, but I do think that we are not keeping up with um, our fancier and our stronger neighbors, if you will. Right. And because of that, maybe this is a chance for us to really be more honest with ourselves about who we are, what we're about, and where we need to go. And I think, as I say, it, it starts with leadership, And the leadership needs to be exerted at UA Little Rock. And we're going to have to convince the Board of Trustees and the state of Arkansas legislature that we can have two or three great universities. It's not just about Fayetteville. I mean, if you live in Little Rock, uh, I'm sorry I didn't go to Fayetteville. I had a chance to go to school out of state. Okay, that football team is terrible. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's not even that it's, they're terrible. It's that they have a football team. Yep. It, it strikes me as um, crazy that one of our local television networks broadcasts the sports from Fayetteville every night. That's because we don't have any teams in central Arkansas. We've got yep. a, a, a minor league baseball team, but we don't have a football team. We don't have a great basketball team. We've got to accept that the Razorbacks are going to play their ball in Northwest Arkansas, and we're going to have to create our own sports offering in the city that we live in. And that takes us again back to 
UA Little Rock. That's not the only reason that we need to work on UA Little Rock, it's, but it's one of them. Well, and it fuels, like you're talking about, the millennial basis. I mean, they're oh. fueled by that, and it's one of the things, too. Like our, our National Premier Soccer League team that just started a couple years ago here in Little Rock, they've grown very quickly because there's clearly an interest. People want to get behind their city, and they want to get behind their team. And if right. they don't have a team, that's hard to do. So that makes a lot of sense. And it also makes me want to ask questions about UAMS, too, because UAMS is one of the nations. I mean, we're talking, I think Cam Patterson said something like 65 or 70 percent of all practitioners at some point in their career crossed through UAMS to get some sort of education. Why don't they stay here? I mean, that's incredible. They'll stay here if we build a great city. Right. Uh, But they want part of a great city is making sure that their kids can have a public education and a higher education opportunity in the city or at least in the region. Right. What we're lucky to have is, I think, is the success of UCA the success of Hendricks, um, even the success of Philander are, you know, they are meeting with more success right now than uh, UA Little Rock. So I don't want to waste all your time and mine talking about that subject, but I can't emphasize enough how important I think addressing that school and, and its future is to our future as a city. Well, and that adds a lot of value, though, because the whole point of this is to figure out where is it, you know, your mind has essentially come up with and created some of the most prominent areas of the city. People can look at it and say, that was a Moses Tucker project. That was a Jimmy Moses idea. These things that have come out of your career have created for us something to take and move in a new direction. And that's for me, from a real estate perspective, that's the reason I'm such a fan is I've got to figure out a way to take some of the ideas I have about things like kombucha bars and ice cream thing. You know, I want to open an ice cream restaurant where you can have mixed ice cream drinks and things like that. I mean, millennials will come to things like that, but they also need co-working space. They want to walk in their community from space to space. Having a college downtown would allow a lot more of that kind of interaction. So all that being said, from a development standpoint, let's say that the city did have the money and then you need a bunch of people to come up with the real estate projects and build off of what's here. One of the main problems we've already talked about is parking decks. How do we move from that situation? How can we even take a parking deck and turn it into something else? Is that possible? Yeah, it's possible. I I think the bigger issue is uh, so much of downtown Little Rock through urban renewal uh, years ago, a half century or more, uh, got leveled and converted to surface parking. We lost a lot of the, not only significant architecturally uh, building stock, but we lost just what I call fabric buildings that made uh, and would be the incubation spaces for retailers and the ice cream store, as well as businesses. Um, they would have uh, provided that kind of startup environment a lot of that's gone away and that's why i'm interested not only in big building development but also i love to build at a smaller scale as well so we're involved in a lot of loft apartments and building some new housing downtown which is exciting but jamie the one thing that that i would say to you uh, and to anybody that might care to listen to our conversation today is you can't underestimate the value of one person and what that person can do to to change a community, particularly one like Little Rock. That's what I like best about this city. That's why I came back, is that I could tell that, you know, Seattle's fantastic, and uh, even Nashville and Austin, you know, have great things about them. But one person in those cities today, even a few years back, 
uh, just couldn't have the impact that you can have in a city like Little Rock. So we're right. big enough to have a lot of good things happening here, and I don't want to understate. We do have a lot of good things happening here. Mostly we have good people, quality yep. people. And I think when people come and visit our city, they're really impressed. Um, but it's about each of us and what we can do in our own areas in a lifetime. And I'm convinced, because I've had the chance to do it, that you can change a lot in you know 40 or 50 years. Just got to be focused, and you got to be like a bulldog. You got to bite the ankle, and you don't let go till you get it done. <laughs> and uh, more of that is what we need by lots of people, and this is the place to make it happen. Well, that means a lot to me because I'm going to try and be that one person. And I've, I've met a lot of people that have tried to be that one person or that could be that one person that have come through on the show and have shared their love for the city. And like you said, there's a lot of positive, too. There's a lot of things that I see, even when it's a little thing. Like I noticed when Nexus expanded their coffee shop yeah. and they doubled in size, yeah. they became even more of an attraction yeah, for people did. like you're talking yeah. about who want to be in the city that can work from that corner coffee yeah. shop. Was that exciting? I think you guys own that building, right? Or was that? Well, we manage it. We don't own it. The Melton family owns it. Yeah, They're but it's an incredible building, and and that's a great. Amy took that building, she put a small idea together. She's taking it now to a different level, and she's a lot like you, you know, passionate about what she's doing, making her mark, and doing something great for the city. And that's really what it's all about. I mean, just you know, fifty, a hundred more people doing that over the next ten years, this will be a fantastic place. And I'm sure you're open to all of our questions and, and we Definitely. can come to you and say, hey, we want to do this. You could be like the shark tank of the Little yeah. Rock development. <laughs> uh, you know, at some point, your uh, your wisdom, uh, it rises and then it sort of falls off. <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to avoid the, a sharp fall off. Uh, I, I've never been that wise, but I am opinionated and I do care about our city a lot. And well, you've made that very love clear. Love to see it. You've made love it very clear it. with your development. I mean, oh, thank you. we want to see what else can happen from here. But I also had an interesting question that I thought, you know, I, I was curious because I saw the Little Rock Chamber yeah. and where it was located. And I know we have great representatives of the chamber that bring people in from other cities and, and try to entice them to be you know, residents here, to move here, move their companies here. Did the chamber building, was that a result of just continual development downtown, or why was the decision made to put it there? Uh, we made that decision. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered if you knew that. Uh, not many people do. Paul Harville, who was uh, the director of the chamber uh, in the mid-'90s, as this area was really beginning to be talked about, but not much had happened, uh, decided it was time to build a really nice chamber center. We, we didn't have anything like that. And he was having a hard time trying to figure out where to put that. He was a friend of mine, and he came over one day to my office and said, you know, we're having a heck of a time figuring out where to put this thing. You're, you know, you, you figure out where to put buildings. Where would you put the chamber? And I looked out the window, we were in uh, where Iriana's Pizza is today, that was my office. I said, put it right there. And I pointed across the street. <laughs> Made it, that look kind of easy, yeah, Jimmy. <laughs> it was easy. It was the Greyhound bus station. And at the time, the bus station was actually a new building, but not exactly the kind of use that we had envisioned for the riverfront and what <coughs> would have eventually become the River Market District. And he said, well, who owns that? And I said, well, there's a group of us that, that sold it to those people, and I think we could figure out a way to get that in your hands. And he said, let's do it. And so that's why the chamber sits where the chamber sits. To, to his credit, though, he raised the money 
and built a magnificent building, which it really is. It is. We went and, down there. Uh, it's another institutional anchor in this neighborhood. Yeah, we went down there when we joined the chamber and our business first opened. We had our office on 6th Street and we had joined the chamber and they have the little marquee of all the new businesses that open. Yeah. And we went down there and waited for our name to come up and took our picture <laughs> underneath Good. it. And you said, um, you said a couple things that involved the word river, which mm-hmm. for me, I was you know comparing and I can't help it from a real estate background. What I was trying to do was compare <laughs> and contrast other mid-sized cities with rivers that came through them. Yeah. And that's kind of what made me ask the question about development because you see that is such an opportunity, not just not just with the views, but it's an opportunity for you to have concerts, to have like the first security amphitheater, things like that. How else do you think we could play off of the idea of having a river? Are there any ideas left back there that you haven't pulled out quite yet? I don't know. (laughs) Well, I'll say this. Uh, I think housing is so critical. Uh, The more diverse types of housing, both high-end condos all the way down to to really uh, lower and moderate income housing, is needed in a city so that that sense of comfort for everyone exists. That's very important to me, and I think that's something to work on always. As to the river, um, we're building some apartments right now in the North Bank called The View, building a luxury apartment complex with all of the things you typically find in the suburbs. We're putting them in downtown Argenta. Really excited about it because not only are you going to be walking distance from Argenta and the river market, but you get to really literally live on the waterfront and, and immediately our pool is literally touches the bike and hiking trail. So it's the first time that this has been integrated private sector into the riverfront and the river walk. And we're real excited. Well, it'll open uh, late this year and, uh, I think it may be the harbinger of future projects to come, better utilization of the river bank itself, getting people onto the water, kayaking, boating, literally, although the river's not the best place to swim, but it, it is not so dangerous anymore now that it's got the lock and dam system that you can't really get out on it and experience it. A new marina uh, down east past the airport and mm-hmm. a development that's sort of on the edge of uh, the East Village is, is nearing completion. So more and more people are going to have better access to the waterfront. And I think housing and entertainment will activate that and make it uh, a bigger asset than it is currently today. Right. And when you say, of course, I can't help it. When you say East Village, that neighborhood, I'm going to want to ask about that because also from a real estate standpoint, we're talking about Arkansas and Little Rock particularly Mm -hmm. having the opportunity zones Mm -hmm. in our area. And I think a lot of times what happens is it gets misconstrued into this, okay, we can all go flip houses now because we're in an opportunity zone, but that's not what the opportunity zones are there for. In Uh fact, the money does have to come from funds in order to invest in those areas, correct? Well, the the key really about opportunity zones is you have to go in, purchase land, Mm -hmm. set up your investment vehicle properly, and then uh, through any kind of exchange dollars, you can invest in an opportunity project, opportunity zone project, and there are IRS benefits that span over 10 years. You can actually uh, largely defer any capital gains indefinitely, which is a big thing to real estate investors. So uh, we've done projects in the East Village. Uh, I hate to say this again. Uh, just like our goal to save the city and build the city has always been really out there. 
making a lot of money has not necessarily been one of our goals and we've we've achieved that you know yeah but in the east village our projects um though they're located in in the enterprise or uh, zone there we are not structured really to fully take advantage of it but others will and can and and you will see more and more development both in argenta and in little rock because of the uh, opportunity zones being in place. Well, I think to your credit, though, you didn't set out to make money. You set out to make a difference and to change the city. And it is a different area right. now. When you go there, I, I took my team there this morning for breakfast. We had a, a yeah. team meeting at Fidel and Company. Yeah. My family and I eat at Catheads. We, you know, Heifer's over there. There's a lot of things that people, I mean, that's the worldwide headquarters for Heifer International. The Clinton Library's over there. There's so many different things yeah. that are staples in our city that are major pieces of it yeah. that need to be highlighted yes. and attributed and there are also opportunities to improve those neighborhoods yes. what homes are existing are older um, there is a bunch of vacant land a lot of opportunity there but it's not something that you can just walk in and say okay let's play flip this house and get a bunch of cameras out here and no. and and flip property it's something where someone wants to spend the money wisely maybe shelter the funds a little bit but they also have to come up with something that is more like urban development right i mean it has to have some storefront and some residential opportunity for it to be applicable to those kind of funds. Yeah, and I think the uh, the trick to opportunity zones really exist to enhance low and moderate income neighborhoods that are struggling right. and would not otherwise attract investment. The key in the East Village is not so much what we've already done, that sort of hopefully sets the stage, Right. but it gives people a comfort level that doing some housing that might not otherwise occur, and I'm talking about low and moderate income, small yeah. housing. You had Michael Orndorff on your yeah. show the other night. He's the perfect architect for it. Well, we met with Michael the other day, a guy I admire greatly for what he's doing. And you can see his passion and energy. And there's one guy making a phenomenal difference in Petaway Park neighborhood already. And we were talking about what could we maybe together look at to make the same kind of housing impact on the East Village and not make the citizens that live there feel like they're being not only neglected, but pushed out. Right. And that's important, I think, uh, you know, in the development of a city is you don't want to get rid of uh, a certain type or economic class of people. You want to keep them and then you want to add others around them so that that diversity works, which is, again, so it makes core, a great neighborhood. It makes a great city, yeah. and it makes a great neighborhood. Well, and there's so much benefit to when development happens in an area. All of a sudden, you have more services available. That's right. You have more opportunity. There are That's more right. jobs. There's more curb and gutter and cleanup, and all of those things are there for the people that exist in the neighborhood. So it's really a benefit not only to them, but then also to the residents who come and move in, who are hopefully going to our improved university down the road. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's a good, <laughs> good way to look at it. If you could go back and choose, you know, any spot, any place, any opportunity that you didn't take that you wish mm. you would have, is there a deal you missed out on? Because I know sometimes there's that deal that keeps me up at night. I wish I would have gone uh, for that. <laughs> I think, you know, uh, from my perspective, it's not the ones that I got into uh, necessarily or didn't get into. Uh, it's the ones that I did invest in. They didn't turn out so well. <laughs> uh, there are a few That'll of those. <laughs> uh, the one thing that uh, I regret most, this is hard to say, I admire uh, George Gleason. Uh, George is the CEO of Bank OZK, a brilliant banker, and he's building a, a phenomenal institution 
thank God we have them in Little Rock. So I, mm-hmm. I want to say that. With that said, the community was not able to persuade that bank to put him downtown. And so if you drive out way out Cantrell Road, and it's a long drive from downtown, yep. you encounter one of the most magnificent buildings I've ever seen. It's, it's a beautiful. beautiful building. And it's going to do really well, and, and that bank, I think, will grow and flourish. If we had been able to convince Mr. Gleason to put the bank downtown, he would have done just as well from a financial standpoint, and his bank would have grown and flourished just as I think it will but so would have downtown. Right. So in a city our size, the institutions really matter. Mm -hmm. And I believe that every institution needs to be pushed, cajoled, worked into the core. And that's why the institutions that anchor, and you brought this up, like the Clinton Center in downtown Little Rock, what if it had been, you know, in Timbuktu? The benefit to the greater community would just not have been as great. Mm-hmm. So we can't afford to lose the next bank of ZK. And I, I think, as I say about leadership, you can't blame the institution as much as you can the leadership of our community. And I fall into that group. We didn't do enough to present the case to keep or to get him downtown. But maybe we'll learn from that, and the next opportunity will do better. I hope so. Well, and a lot of those people moved here from New York, so they were already ready for downtown anyways. (laughs) I might add that uh, another great banker or two has seen it differently. Um, About 15 years, Rennie Rutledge agreed to come into our project, and it became known as the First Security Center, a mixed-use development right on Clinton Avenue. And uh, that was a big step for his bank and his leadership, and we're in, uh, very grateful to him. And then more recently, the Axion building that Charles Morgan developed that emptied out because of Axion's demise here in Little Rock um, was purchased by Simmons Bank and its leadership, George Macris. And uh, that is a wonderful addition to and an anchor for uh, not just the River Market, but all of downtown Little Rock. So. We've always got good things and and things that we need to work on. We're lucky to have the leaders and these good companies here that are growing. And uh, we've got to to work closely together to take full advantage of all our collective opportunities if we want to have a great city. Makes sense. So a couple fun questions then, because you've been Uh, here a long time. What is your favorite? And you only get to pick one. You don't get to pick 24 like I did. Um, If you had to eat somewhere every night for the next two weeks, in the Little Rock downtown area, where would you eat? Uh, just one. Yep. Oh, it's easy. Bruno's. Okay. <laughs> uh, let me say something about Bruno's. Um, you didn't ask me this, but it's my, um, in my opinion, the best thing I ever did in real estate. Uh, I was born literally almost in Bruno's <laughs> uh, 70 years ago when it was on Roosevelt Road. Uh, so I've eaten there all my life and I knew Jimmy Bruno and his whole family as I know Gio and Vince today quite well. When they closed, it broke my heart. That was in 2000, I think 10 or 11. And I didn't know if I'd ever eat at Bruno's again. Thankfully, um, we were able to talk Vince and, and Gio into taking a massive risk by putting their new store in downtown Little Rock 
on Man on Main, 4th of Main. And they took a leap of faith and they did it. And that, that restaurant moving to Main Street, they get the credit, they deserve the credit for everything that's happened since then. Because something great, something truly great wound up on that street. And you can see how uh, it now has attracted eight or nine additional restaurants plus millions of dollars of development. That's Bruno's, amazing. great place to eat. It is a great yeah. place to eat. Well, I had to know that. Yeah. And then the last thing I want to ask you is, you know, a lot of our listeners are millennial entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. They're in a situation like myself where you talked about, um, we talked about some bigger cities. Well, I'm from Southern California. And when I moved here to Arkansas, um, I was in the appraisal field. I switched over to the real estate field. But then there became an opportunity where I could open a business yeah. of my own. And as I've built that business in the city, what I've learned about Little Rock is not just that it's a small town that <laughs> pretends to be a big city. Everyone knows each other other but I had the ability to build my own business within this city without too much difficulty because there was so much support from the community but also the opportunities for space and time and all of those things however I've hit walls along the way Mm -hmm. I've wanted to quit and give up entrepreneurship is not easy and you've been doing it for a lifetime when you come up on those walls and you hit failures and maybe something unpredictable happens how do you recover from that how do you bounce back and what advice would you give a new entrepreneur in their up and down to keep going yeah well uh i think the real key in life is uh not how you celebrate your success but how you learn from your your hardships i, I don't like to call them failures i think first of all um most of us have read this one way or another but um successful people can tell you about many of the projects whatever kind of business they were in that didn't go so well in their career. If you're not willing to really step out and take more risk, then you're never really gonna fully fully feel alive and you're not going to really enjoy life quite as much because the times you stump your toe are only gonna make the better times that much better. So I always say to myself, uh, I know there are gonna be times I'm gonna struggle mightily but I'm gonna learn more from that. I'm gonna take more away from that struggle than any great success I've had on anything. And I build from that. So don't quit, be per- persistent and, and, and have a passion. If you're not passionate about what you're doing, you're not gonna be as successful as if you're really passionate. So you can be passionate about anything as long as it's legal. Yeah. <laughs> and then you gotta pursue it. And you can't be one of those people who say, you know, I thought of that, but I never acted on it. When you think of it, you know, plan and put your ideas together, but don't be held back by all the reasons why you can't do it. Go ahead and step out there and make something happen and life will be better for it. And so will you. Well, I appreciate that advice. And I also admire you a lot for what you've done for a city. I know Chris and Jamie are kind of carrying that, that torch and doing, (laughs) doing a lot of development of their own. It seems. Bless their souls. They're, uh, they're, uh, It's hard to work with that always, but uh, (laughs) it's great to have your sons involved in your company too. Yeah, well, they're great guys, and it's been an incredible experience um, getting to talk with you today. And so we are on the lookout for another Jimmy Moses, and we're going to push on Chris and Jamie to see what they can do moving (laughs) forward. I think they'll be doing it in their own way, and that's as it should be. Yep. Well, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate you. Enjoyed it. Little Rock, see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Little Rock Block Talk podcast. If you're interested in hearing more, make sure to like, subscribe, and follow our page. If you're also interested in sponsoring an episode, reach out to us on Facebook.